This is episode 22 of Bella in Your Business. Welcome to Bella in Your Business, where Bella will discuss anything and everything about your pet sitting business to help you land on target. So get ready. Bella's got your shoot. Let's jump. Welcome to Bella in Your Business, where we talk about everything in and around your pet business. I'm your host, Bella Vasta with Jump Consulting. You know, the holidays are upon us. Soon we'll be collecting holiday bookings, gearing up for winter, and creating all our seasonal banners and graphics and blogs. As the time comes, there are so many platforms that your business can stand on to merge your expertise on pets with the holidays. Today, I have a guest that's going to be a real treat for all of us. Susie Tim and I personally met in networking when she was the president of a bank that hosted our weekly networking meeting. Her spunky attitude and colorful personality immediately drew me to her, gaining my respect from her from the start. Susie is now the president of Knife and Fork Media Group. They specialize in comprehensive public relations and marketing strategy in the gourmet food, restaurant, and retail industries. Susie's also been known to represent a pet business or two as well. She's decorated in numerous awards such as the 40 Under 40, Women Leaders in Business, and so Scottsdale's 24 powerful leaders under 40, to name a few. Her wheelhouse includes creating media marketing kits, blogging, content creation, copywriting, website content creation, advertising, photography, graphic design, and sales training, just to name a few. Gosh. But today, we're going to talk about the big one that she does, public relations. Susie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Danielle. It's really delightful to be with you and really great to have a chance to talk to your audience. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining up with me. So let's start from the beginning. How did you go from bank manager to PR maven? Well, it's definitely not a a straight path, that's for sure. The short version, I would say, would be that in 2009, when the banking industry started to become really a challenging place to work, the market started to crash, no more money could be lent. Someone came to me and said, hey, you know, maybe we should do something on the side to get to know our fellow foodies in the community and uh, maybe we can create some sort of food community in Phoenix because they really felt that there wasn't a sense of community yet. And I agreed. And so we started initially a business doing food events. We worked with local chefs. We put on cooking classes. We did this as the economy was really starting to go down. And I initially did it on the side. But eventually, after I realized it could be a viable business plan, I ended up leaving banking to really focus on hosting these food events. Well, in that process, we actually hired a PR firm who represented us to promote our events. And I got to know some local TV personalities and some local editors of papers and different people who I created some personal relationships with. One thing led to another. Restaurants started coming to me and saying, hey, I know that you did an event for your group at our restaurant, but I would love it if you could give me some marketing advice. And, of course, initially I had to chuckle because people were coming mm-hmm. to me for marketing advice. Um, <laughs> but, they, you know, they, they liked what we were doing. We were driving traffic in a down economy by using – we were doing things that hadn't been done in Phoenix. We were coming up with creative, relatable, and inexpensive events that people could attend and learn more about local restaurants and chefs and cooking and all those things that people become very passionate about. So – After about a year and a half of that, I decided to branch out on my own. I started my own PR firm. Originally, we started with a focus, again, on events 
and event marketing and social media, but people would ask me over and over and over if I could write press releases for them or get them on TV. And so I just thought, well, let me, let me try my hand at that. And again, you know, now we have over 45 clients all over the United States and we work in the food segment, but we also have a lot of other similar businesses. I mean, marketing and PR is kind of a formula. And once you know the formula and you know how to come up with story ideas that media want to hear about, you know, that really does translate. It translates into pets, it translates into nonprofits, it translates into health and beauty. I mean, there's just, it's a similar method giving a different message depending on the industry. That's fantastic. I absolutely love it. And I love how organic it was. You reminded me of a Facebook post that I'm sure many of us have seen. And on one side, it's the stick figure of a arrow kind of going up and it says success. And then it says what real success looks like on the other side with squiggles everywhere because it's up, down, and all around. It's so true, you know. Those events that you did do as an attendee way back when, those were very fun events. And you're right, it was fulfilling a niche in the market that had never been done. So it made it very interesting. And I can see how that carries over to PR. So tell us what kind of benefits can local media bring small businesses? Well, you know, I can't say enough about having a true marketing and PR plan for any size business. You could be a startup, you could be a multi-million dollar venture. It doesn't matter. It's important to always stay top of mind. Someone told me this the other day, and it took me a while to grasp what he was saying, but it goes something like between the invent of television and the invent of the internet was, let's call it, 100 years, okay? Roughly, maybe not even 100, probably more like 40 um, <laughs> of messaging that people were exposed to during that entire time frame, which messaging being paper, print advertising, commercials yeah. on TV, radio, all of it until the invent of the Internet, that time frame is a fraction of the amount of messaging we're exposed to on a daily basis now. So, I agree, yeah. It's insane how we are constantly in competition, not necessarily with competing pet businesses or competing restaurants. Of course, there's competition there. But I'm talking about we're just in competition for share of brain space Mm -hmm. of our customers (laughs) because they're getting so many messages. I mean, just scroll through a Facebook feed and think about the amount of things coming at you that you're supposed to remember and engage with and think about, et cetera add in television, add in a regular trip around the web, add in just your drive to work, et cetera, we have to figure out how to cut through the clutter and stand out. And to me, the only way to do that is to be proactively using the media to your advantage. I've worked with one particular pet business here in Phoenix, and what we've been able to do is most of it is sort of event-based PR. This client will come up with various whether she's doing a Halloween event with a local bar that she's partnering with where you bring, you know, your pup in a costume and then there's a fundraiser element for a nonprofit or she's coming up with yoga classes, various other cool, interesting events. We promote those in media. She'll go on as an expert and talk about, I actually had her on TV this week talking about safe beats that you can make for your dog at home and what to make sure that they don't eat during, as we start this season of 
so many more things in the house that, you know, pets can get into and, you know, be toxic to them and harm them. And so what we've done is position her as an expert in the industry and then at the same time been able to drive people to her events, which puts more eyeballs on her business, which is a grooming business primarily. She does some pet sitting as well, but grooming and pet sitting drives more traffic, gets more people interested. When people come to her events, she offers bounce backs for them to come in and get their pets groomed. So it's a full-scale plan, but we're really using media, which is, you know, a free way for the most part. I mean, we don't pay for television segments, but it's a free way to get her out there. And, and compared to paying for standard advertising, I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane how many more people you can reach using the media. I love that. And it's so true, you know, and then getting those events because they're, they're unique, you know, she's not out there. Her message isn't groom, groom, groom. And this kind of Susie leads me into my next question. Tell me about some of the common mistakes business owners make when they're trying to get their pitches on the TV or news and stuff. So I think the number one thing to remember is that if you're appealing to a mass market media source, AKA your community newspaper, a radio station, a television station. For them to cover you, it's almost like a soft sell. Unless you're paying for advertising, your message has to have value to their audience. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you're promoting an event. The event has to be interesting. Usually, there should be some sort of community outreach or nonprofit, you know, whether you're taking donations for a local shelter or a local rescue, that would be one way to, you know, just add an element that's not straight up self-promotion. Yeah. But also... Goodwill. You should always tie in... Exactly. Goodwill. You should always tie in some kind of tips that go nicely along with your event. So, for example, my client did a pet CPR class, which that in itself is newsworthy because, wow, that's somewhere that people can go free class, resource to learn about how to save their dog or cat if it falls in the pool, hurts itself, whatever. You know, in Arizona, we have so many swimming pools and there are pet fatalities related to drownings. And so we did a class on that and then we had her on TV talking about safety around water with dogs. And, I mean, I have to tell you, that's pretty low-hanging fruit way to get yourself on TV. You're adding value, you're giving tips, and people ate it up. No pun intended, but it's been amazing. And same thing with this Halloween safe treat thing. Sure, she's a pet groomer, so of course she wants grooming clients. But at the same time, my goal has always been to position her as an expert. So the number one mistake is to be too self-promoting when you want free media coverage. Promote all you want if you're paying for advertising. Otherwise, you have to add value to somebody's audience for them to pick it up. I love everything that you're saying because I'm an avid subscriber to all of that. We talk a lot in our groups about trying to position yourself as an expert. And I think that the holiday season is just, oh my gosh, it's a plethora of ideas and things that you can do. And it always gets me excited because everything from your typical how to stay safe to best big dog costumes, best small dog (laughs) costumes, best, you know, I mean, you could really start breaking it up because When you're involved in the pet community or in your industry, maybe someone listening isn't in the pet industry, you kind of get like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know pet CPR first aid. But we almost forget how exciting or different or, oh, my gosh, that really, you know, that could be to the general public who's not absorbing all of this 
pet information every single day. Okay, so we have all these ideas. I'm sure people are getting excited now listening to us. So why can't they just go do it? What is the benefit to, you know, having an actual plan and having a person represent you such as yourself or someone else. Why spend all that money when, oh, well, okay, thanks, Susie and Bella. I, I got an idea. I'm going to make my own press release and send it in now. It says I can send it to this email address. I can do this all by myself. Why and, not? And you, I'm not opposed to people doing it themselves. You just have to rem- sure. figure out what you want to be the master of in your business. If you want to spend the time and effort to pitch media and be relentless and follow up and make it a priority every single day, then I think people can do it themselves. The key, though, is, is that taking you away from other areas that could be more revenue generating for your business? And only each individual owner can decide that. It does right. There's a certain level of expertise involved when it comes to how do you pitch media with what they want to hear. So, for example, mm-hmm. when I send out a pitch for my client here in Phoenix, who's the groomer and sitter, you know, I'm not sending a press release. I'm not sending five tips that she can cover on XYZ topic. I keep the email usually 100 words to 200 words max, probably more like 100 words. I try to catch some bullet points, right? Bullet points, catchy subject line, and quick and easy. Here's who it is. Here's why you should have them on. And that's it. I don't go into her background because if they want to know her background, they're going to ask me. They're going to follow up and say, okay, tell me more about her. But they don't care about any awards she's won. They don't care. That's not news. What's news is how can we find a story that is relevant, whether it's relevant to current events, whether it's relevant to just in general, you know, the time of year. They want to know how am I going to present a story on my newscast that is going to get viewers to engage and to stay watching my channel. Right. We're going to stop that noise and get them to stop from clicking off. (laughs) Exactly. You know, we all make this mistake of thinking that somebody cares about... That they care about us and our business. Nobody does until they know us and like us, right? Right. Precisely. I wouldn't say it isn't caring. It's more just something that might be super newsworthy for us isn't necessarily as newsworthy in the general mass market media. If you win an mm-hmm. award in your industry, you should tell your industry publications that you want it. But I wouldn't worry oh, about and okay. tell your customers you want it. But the Arizona Republic or a major newspaper in your community isn't going to write about an industry award that you won because it's not mm-hmm. relevant to their general audience. It's just not. So always remember exactly. who your audience is. I love that. I love it so much. And it's just such great principles and I hope we're really igniting the people that are listening right now. So in conclusion, do you have a story or a client success, how you kind of took them from no one really knowing about them to bam? It doesn't have to be in the pet industry, but I know you work nationally and I see things pop up on your feed where I'm like, are you serious? Like um, the most obscure stuff sometimes. And I love just following you and I love seeing what you've done. Do you have a cool success story you could share? Sure. I mean, one of my favorites that I still work with to this day has been Brownie Griddle, which is a snack company that started in 2011. They've been in business longer making brownies, but coming up with these crunchy snack products really debuted on shelves in 2011. I met them around that same time frame. 
and started doing little projects for them in the Phoenix market because they were getting some distribution in the Phoenix community at Albertsons and some other grocery stores. So we tried to help program some events here in Phoenix to get people to taste the product. And that just led to me trying to get them some national publicity. We did that. We were able to secure a feature story in the Huffington Post, which really, to this day, if you Google Brownie Brittle or the founder's name, that's still the number one story that comes from, I think, 2012. So it just, you know, things live in infamy and, and still get a lot of play even this many years later. So... That has been fun. You know, we started with them when they were making maybe $250,000 a year, and and we're in the tens of millions now. So it's always just nice to be with a company as they grow. That's incredible. Yeah, it's been been pretty rewarding. I mean, you have a really cool job. You get to put your clients out there, make them feel amazing about their business. I'm sure they're scared at first, don't know I can't go on TV. And then you see the fruits of that labor, no pun intended, in the food industry. <laughs> That's so cool. So Susie, are you even accepting new clients or are you like at a full load or where are you at right now? If there's some sitter oh, no, we, out there in another market. No, we're always accepting new clients. That's basically the model we have in our business is, you know, we're always looking for new clients. I feel like there's just so many opportunities. We do work in all industries, especially, you know, across the country, if people really are looking for some national media coverage, we do that as well. And then mm-hmm. in the local Phoenix market, obviously, we're, we're always open. So yeah, I'd be happy to talk to anybody. So I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And something I noticed on your website that I, I made a point to do in your introduction was website, and I want to touch on this really quick, if it's okay, website content. And I think that that's a huge service that a lot of people are starting to realize they need. They can't just go write whatever words they want. They've got to understand the content on their website needs to sell but engage and not be like a book. Is that what you do with that website content creation? Yeah. I mean, what we try to do, for example, I have a client in Massachusetts who they own a bunch of cosmetology schools, and then he does seminars, and he's a motivational speaker in the health and beauty industry. And so we were just – actually, I had a conference call this morning about building out some content on their website because it helps so much for people to find them and, again, mm-hmm. to establish him as an expert. So if somebody writes in, how to increase business in my salon, I want them to find his top five tips for increasing business in a salon. The only way to do that is for him to put those tips on his website (laughs) (laughs) in the form of a blog. So it all works together, and I just think that it takes time, of course, but, you know, nothing good happens fast. So it's time and dedication to these things, and and that's where I feel that people should dedicate. Content creation should be high on your list. I really do. I also agree with that, too. So, Susie, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. How can the listeners reach you or get in contact with you? You can just check out our website at Knife and Fork Media. That's the word and spelled out, knifeandforkmedia.com. There's a contact us page. You're welcome to shoot me an email and you can set up a time to talk on the phone and we'll go from there. Wonderful. Well, Susie, again, thank you so much for your time. My name is Bella Vasta with Bella in Your Business. You guys can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Also, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Bella in Your Business. Always keep jumping. Thanks for jumping with Bella in Your Business. 
For more information, free articles, free coaching sessions, and more, go to jumpconsulting.net. And remember, Bella's got your shoot.